The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's eight minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning in to AM Live. And of course, it is the forum at eight now. And thank you so much for using the hashtag AM Live. And um, please continue to do so for this part of the discussion. But before I get to it, let me just remind you, we will open the lines on Fees Must Fall tomorrow. And we hope to hear from parents. Um, those of you who feel that your views have not been presented here Email us, sakina at safm.co.za, but uh, try and keep it short and sharp so that we can run through as many of them as possible. And we will, of course, open the lines from the very beginning. So it will be your time to tell us your views on hashtag fees must fall. Right now, though, it's back to today. And on the forum, we are discussing the funeral industry. Now, South Africa deserves a professional funeral industry that cares for its clients at the critical moment of bereavement. I'm sure nobody is going to disagree with that. Um, The country's funeral uh, industry regulatory authority um, have also concurred with that sentiment, and they have proposed a code of conduct published in the Government Gazette which would uh, give the public until uh, this past weekend uh, so it's come and gone uh, to actually comment Uh, but what we want to share with you today is your industry experience what were your experiences when it came to funerals and um, you know how your issues of loss grief and bereavement were dealt with by the service providers in this industry because we want to ask the question this morning whether the funeral industry needs to be regulated any further than it already is. What are your views? And tell us also exactly which parts of this industry it is that you believe ought to have more stringent rules and regulations. 0891-104-208, that's the call-in number. The lines are open. You can also SMS us on 34701 at a cost of one rand, or you can tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo, and please use the hashtag AM Live. So let me welcome our guest this morning, uh, Yohandra So, who, um, who is here to talk to us about his views as someone who has worked in this industry uh, for the longest time. Thanks for coming through. Thank you, Sakina. Thank you to you and your listeners. And uh, then also uh, we have with us uh, Mr. Adrian Bester uh, from the National Funeral Directors Association uh, of South Africa. Thanks for coming through. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning, listeners. Okay, let me just start uh, with you, Johan. Let's talk about the regulations that currently exist within this industry because there are tons of complaints. People are always complaining about uh, the sort of treatment that they are at the receiving end of. There are things like people um, uh, finding themselves where their loved one's corpse is being held hostage, literally, where people have been told that their loved one's corpse has been eaten by rats and the like. These sort of things, the nightmarish things, are actually happening in this industry. So let's start there. Thank you very much. Yes, um, we've received many reports, but I don't think that we need to go into the detail thereof because we don't want to traumatize families or the public further than they've already been traumatized over many years. I think the key initiative that needs to be addressed is how do we take the process forward? How do we support legitimate funeral parlors and how do we help the emerging funeral parlors in going forward to support 54 million people in South Africa? And I think that's the key initiative. Um, Further that we need to stipulate is we need one law that incorporates health department, home affairs, financial services, 
environment, labor, a variety of aspects because the funeral industry is very fragmented and everyone speaks to the health department. But unfortunately, according to South African Constitution, the funeral industry does not resort under the um, Department of Health. It resorts under COCTA, which is local government. And I don't think that has ever been addressed uh, in the way that it's supposed to be addressed, on the level that it's supposed to be addressed, not with individual municipalities, but through Solga and through the ministry. Further to that, the industry has never spoken to the national, uh, to um, the office of Tuli Manonsela, because she is responsible to look after aspects within municipalities that goes wrong. And uh, we have to put that in, in, in front of government. The, the, the unfortunate reality that we are faced with is that the, um, the industry needs to, as a collective, include each and every stakeholder. They need to come closer to the public. The industry needs to see how they could accommodate the public. And these companies, which is... Um, doing extremely good work. Um, and I've just mentioned before this meeting, Mr. Bester's company, for example, is one of the companies that's providing a leading role in um, in the funeral industry. And I have to say that up front, um, Apop is one of the leading players. And I think that if companies could follow their um, example, and there's many other companies, and I don't want to specify that, but I think, you know, uh, that we need to take hands and see how we could collectively um, take the matter or the process forward. And, um, of course, then, you know, um, as I was uh, saying there in the intro, just uh, with regard to um, the proposed code of conduct. So clearly there was something that necessitated um, the need for this. So why is it necessary that we need to come up with this? Because clearly there are some rogue elements at play here. Absolutely, yes, Akina. Um, the, the, the fact is that the media has taken a lot of these, um, the media has taken a lot of these atrocities and exposed that into, into the newspapers, of which we, over, over 15 years, have been the messenger in taking that message to the public because the public tends to forget about these things in a day or two. And what we've done is to... Cool, collectively do that in conjunction with the South African Council of Churches where we did a research over a period of 48 months which resulted and emanated into a public vote of 87% in 2005. Unfortunately, that has been forgotten, that the public already voted 87% in favor thereof. The industry players through many, many, on many occasions has indicated that the industry needs to be regulated. The, the scenario that we're sitting with is we cannot have an inclusive process if we only have a small percentage or a minute percentage getting involved. We need to accommodate all the organizations, whether you are representing a large conglomerate or a medium size or even a small and emerging size. We need to get them involved. The, the rela- reality of the fact is that we were not able, due to a lack of data, due to a variety of aspects, 
um, been unable to get these. And there's a lot of perceptions out there. And I want to say it publicly once again, as I've said over the last two, three radio interviews that I had, if I, in my personal capacity, ever made mistakes because of not being afforded the opportunity to engage formally, I apologize to that. But we have to say that there's big companies and organizations that are trying their level best to assist the industry and to assist the public. Adrian, let me ask you, how would you characterize the funeral industry at the moment? Um, Sakina, I think it's important that we just maybe just take a little step back. It will will answer your question, but um, I think at the moment there are three fairly serious misconceptions and, and I, I want to say almost misinformation mm-hmm. uh, that's been put into the public eye and the, 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 the public domain recently. Uh, the first one is that uh, the funeral industry is unregulated. It's not true. Okay? The funeral industry is regulated um, as much as almost any other industry in the, in the, in the country. What Mr. Rasai says is true in that the regulations do not sit within one controlling body and unfortunately, that also is true of almost every other um, industry in South Africa. So attempting to get all the regulation and, and all the legislation under one body, I, I don't think it's, it's possible. I don't think it's even viable. There's also a lot of, not I don't want to say vested interest, that's, that's probably the, the wrong word. There's, there's already um, actions and organizations in place that look after a lot of these things and I don't think we must reinvent the wheel here. So if you look at for instance the the the, the, the health regulations the constitution places the responsibility to enforce the health regulations with the local authority. Now we can argue whether those regulations are effectively enforced or not but to argue that we must have that regulation enforced in some other place or by some other player just doesn't make sense. You have to duplicate all that infrastructure, duplicate all that manpower. It just doesn't make sense. Earlier on your program, I think at about 5 to 6 this morning, um, you speculated about uh, funeral parlors that are not underwritten, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, that aspect of the industry is regulated. It's fully regulated by the Financial Services Board. Um, the Phase Act covers it, the Long-Term Insurance Act covers it. So whether they are, in fact, effectively able to enforce those regulations, again, is something different, and that, I think, is something to be taken up with the Financial Services Board, but it's, it doesn't make sense to try and move it. So uh, what I'm really saying is that the image that is created, that the funeral industry is operated by this bunch of cowboys following their own rules that is unregulated. It's just not true. But where do you think that stems from? Well, uh, there's been a lot of media release over the last week or two weeks, um, and and those media releases specifically created this impression. I Uh, I would uh, beg to differ with that, because I don't think this is an issue that has arisen over the past week or two. And and, and I think it's also perhaps, um, you know, a bit of a cheap shot at the media to blame them for what's going on here because the media are simply reporting on what people are telling them. The horror stories that people take to the media and say, this has happened to me. Can you help me? You know, um, I, I went to the hospital. Uh, my a, a relative passed away, got there, 
couldn't find the body, was told that it was removed by, um, you know, X or Y undertaker, got there and they wanted me to pay to remove it when I didn't give them permission to move that body from the hospital to begin with. These things are not dreamt up by the media. No, for sure they're not dreamt up by the media, but it is important that the, the industry is not painted with that brush. So it's an individual service provider, an individual undertaker that, that does this. And in fact, that doesn't need to be regulated. It's a criminal act. That family can simply go to the SAPS and they can have that, that uh, 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 undertaker addressed. So you cannot hold a body to ransom. It's, it's a criminal act to do that. So we don't even have to go down regulation route to, to solve that particular problem. And as I say, issues pertaining to underwriting is already regulated. The health regulations are already there. Even consumer protection regulations are, in fact, already in place because, obviously, the, the Consumer Protection Act applies to the funeral industry as it applies to any other industry, and the National Consumer Council is there to, to address those issues. However, if we want to place a funeral industry code of conduct in place, I think almost everybody in the industry is, is happy with that and would actually support that. Um, if we want to have an ombudsman in place that can specifically look into the funeral industry because there might be issues that are sort of a little bit technical and, and industry specific, then I think, again, almost everybody in the industry is happy to do that. The way in which it is done is the problem. So when you come as an outsider and you write a set of rules and you have them published in the government gazette and you don't consult with me who works in the industry, then I take offense to that. And this is exactly what has happened, not only with the NFDA and the, the Funeral Federation of South Africa, who represents a number of the bigger associations, but also some of the smaller associations we've seen. They've, they've taken their case to the NCC. And now I must say what the NCC has done in the meantime is they have said that they'll extend the, the period. You just earlier referred to the period of public comment, they'll extend it by three months mm-hmm. in order to allow everybody now to be to actually consult and for, for the industry to create a code that fits into our industry in the first place, is implementable in the second place and is affordable in the first third place. So I think those are those are some of the issues and then there's something that's very close to my heart and it's also coming to the media recently and this is that um, there's been comments made that old funeral policies are worthless, that people should just throw their old bookies away. And this is extremely irresponsible to do. Um, and, and again, this, this interview is not about FBOP per se, but I can only speak on behalf of, of FBOP in terms of the funeral policies. If you have an FBOP funeral policy, even if it was issued in 1950 and it's only worth 25 rand, you will receive, if you do the funeral with FBOP, you'll receive 9,600 rands worth of free funeral benefits, which will include a coffin, um, the, the taking into care of the deceased, the preparation of the deceased, the mortuary facilities, the use of a hearse, the registration of death. Everything is included, and you'll get that for free. You'll also get 1,000 rand upfront cash, plus you get transportation of the deceased anywhere in South Africa f- free of charge over and above the value of your so-called worthless bookie. So please, um, the public out there, do not lend your ears out to unscrupulous people who tell you that these old policies are worthless. Find 
the company that supplied them and find out what your policy is actually worth. Well, we're also joined uh, by uh, Neil and uh, Neil Kite is uh, from the Independent Funeral Directors Association. Neil, thanks for coming through. So what's your take on all of this? Look, uh, I would actually say that um, to actually regulate the whole funeral industry, yes, per se. Um, but I think what has happened is it's, it's just happened all too quick. Um, and I think some of the parties that are involved, um, you know, not enough input has been put into it. Um, I do find it um, kind of difficult to actually um, comprehend with, you know, us as representing the Independent Funeral Directors Association, obviously the NFDA, the national, uh, on a much larger scale. Um, I'm sitting with around about 16 members um, of IFTA, um, and that's, that's nationwide. Um, but yeah, if you could regulate some kind of thing, because at the moment we all, you know, different hospitals, state mortuaries, forensic mortuaries, they all have their own ideas, their own rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe um, as the NFDA, um, which is the longest standing, um, with you know the Funeral Federation of South Africa. The, um, the independent, if we can just regulate some kind of an idea, but sure, yeah, the the whole ombudsman around it, um, yeah, came came as a bit of a shock to to a lot of us. Is it necessarily a bad idea though? Because if we think about it, you know, it seems as though anybody uh, could just wake up one day and decide, you know what, I'm gonna get into the funeral industry this is the business that i'll be doing from today and uh, they then start setting up because that is what it looks like that is what seems to be happening so isn't that cause for concern um, for legitimate members who have been doing this for a while and who do take pride in what they do doesn't it concern you that people can just mushroom any other day oh definitely um I would still go back as saying that um, a lot of the funeral industries, look, I mean, our company, Tom Kiton Company, is a, it's, a, it's a private company. It's a family-ran business. Um, my dad started it in 1981. Um, and I think even um, with the African funeral directors, a lot of that is still family-orientated. So they have, you know, I think there's not, please, I'm not saying anything bad about Bob or anything like that, please. Um but you do get a lot of family business that are still up and running and they're going. And um, I take my hat off to that because they are trying to keep it an individuality and more personal. Yeah. Yes. Um, I just want to clarify one or two things and just go a step back. Um, in, in terms of the consultation, we've tried on a number of occasions to engage the NFDA over the last 15 years. Um, and because of perceptions and media reports and everything, people t- tended to shy away, and I've already apologized for that, if there was misperceptions. This fact of the matter is that Mr. Be- Bester men- uh, mentioned that the ombudsman is there to look after everything. The ombudsman is established to look after, one, the public interest. That is the key initiative. It will not control health department, labor, environment, the financial services board, because that's not within our mandate. The reality is that the Minister of um, Trade and Industry 
of which reporting uh, the, the um, National Com- uh, Consumer Council reports under them will definitely speak to his colleagues into the other department if the need arises. And we will be able to give the, tr- uh, the, the facts thereof. We, I don't want to, today in this meeting, go into the discrepancies related to government because government has taken a stance to make this thing happen and we have agreed that we will take a bottom-up approach. Let's not let government take the decision to take a top-to-bottom approach whereby they will enforce it. So it is critical that we get the involvement of stakeholders into this thing. I just want to mention one thing more, that the NFDA Federation is doing a brilliant job, but so is SAFPA, so is smaller other organizations, so is the independent. And I was privileged to meet a gentleman within the funeral industry, Tom Cott. And um, it's the first time seeing you today, Neil. Um, our deepest sympathy, I just heard your father passed away about two weeks ago. I think he's... Uh, December. Um, I, I just want to say our deepest sympathy for that as well. So, yes, um, I think the, the, the NFDA Federation softball represents 0.03% of the funeral industry. We need to have a more inclusive approach. We need to have the industry in a situation whereby we need to incorporate everyone in the process so that we also look at the transformation of the funeral industry, which has been dominated by certain organizations and groups over many, many years. And I think uh, from a transformation and an economic perspective, we can go into detail thereof at, 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 at a later stage. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the key initiative is we have to look at how do we accommodate your legitimate funeral parlors, people that's rendering a good service. And I'm happy to see that um, I had, I've been afforded the first time in 15 years the opportunity to engage on a fr- platform to reach out to the funeral industry open the uh, door for discussion so that we can embrace each other and as a collective take the decision forward to assist almost 25,000 funeral parlors of which additional 8,000 funeral parlors is referred to as problematic. And I think that's the key of this initiative, that we can't have an inclusive discussion by just looking at a specific market segment. We need to utilize this platform to say, how do we take the process forward? And I think um, I an, I'm in agreement with um, with uh, with um, the Independent uh, Funeral Directors Association, as well as with the NFDA, as well as with other organizations, which is currently including companies that's going, uh, organizations that's going to be established and be launched within the next um, few weeks or months. Um, we can also say that the industry needs not only an ombudsman, because that's looking purely at the public. We need to look at an effective regulatory measures. We need to look at a specific, um, uh, at, at a bargaining council together with the funeral industry staff union as well. And I think that's critical to, so that we can include everything in the process going forward. And that's just my personal opinion. Well, we're going to go to a news break. When we return, we'll open the lines. 0891-104-208. Simpiwe Ngongwan is standing by with the latest news headlines. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. 
And it's back to the forum at eight, and we're talking about the funeral industry, and the lines already full. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight. And uh, speaking to our guest this morning, asking the question whether there is need for tighter um, um, uh, regulation in the funeral industry. And of course, not everybody's going to be happy about it, but you know, something needs to be done. Off air, we were having a discussion about the numbers uh, that Johan put out previously, and um, Adrian, you, you you're not agreeing with those numbers. Yeah, I think the numbers are vastly overinflated, and people people do do the inflation or overinflation of the numbers in order to suit a specific scenario. Um, the fact is that we've got less than six hundred thousand funerals a year in South Africa, and that's easy to determine. Uh, there cannot possibly be twenty five thousand funeral operators in that market because it would mean that they each doing somewhere around twenty funerals per year per funeral provider. We know that is not possible. So there's probably somewhere in the region of 5,000 funeral operators uh, by our estimation, and that would mean that on average they do about 10 funerals a month or 120 funerals a year, with some operators obviously being smaller than that and some of them being substantially larger than that. What is also important is when you look at the industry code that is currently being proposed, that code is heavily reliable on how many operators there actually are because they must contribute to pay for this ombudsman. Um, So if there's only 5,000, it will be a very, very different situation from if there's actually 25,000. What we do agree on is that there should be some central organization, or let's call it a funeral, funeral industry board. There should be some central organization where every funeral parlor can actually register and through which they can get training. Now, we must also understand that the CETA has been busy for years and years developing A, training standards and trying to find training providers in this industry. Unfortunately, there are not a lot of training providers around. Um, so it has been a difficult situation, but this, the, the, the government bodies needs to talk to each other. So what you see in this current situation once more is the NCC has acted without any consultation with CETA whatsoever and... The industry that sits in the middle has not, hasn't had a word from it. So, so, so from what you guys are saying, it is clear why there are so many uh, you know, poor service providers in this industry because the left hand doesn't seem to know what the right hand is doing and um, you know, pe- things and people just get lost in the system. Absolutely. So, Kina, I think the other thing that we must consider is It is true that every time the funeral industry obviously is a very emotional industry. So when something does go wrong, it's very serious. And we understand that as members of the industry. What is also unfortunately true, again, is that the numbers are overblown. These atrocious things that do happen from time to time are very, 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 very small numbers of incidents. So, again, I can speak on behalf. But because it's emotional, you know, it does. It does carry a lot of weight. Yes. But again, one, one must understand that if you, let's just say we have an ombudsman. Um, AFBAB does in excess of 30,000 funerals a year. We have just more than half a percent of complaints arise from that. So let's just say there's, there's a 1% complaint ratio. If you have 600,000 funerals in the country in total, you'll have 6,000 complaints. If 1% of those are actually referred to the ombudsman, and that's what happens more or less in the insurance industry, if 1% of those gets referred to the ombudsman, then it means that 60 complaints per year will actually go to the ombudsman. 
The current code that, that is up for consideration asks to be funded to the amount of 15.2 million rand. Now, 15.2 million divided by six complaints gives you uh, an amount of 250,000 rand per complaint. We can't afford that. This is it's just not affordable for the industry or for our people. Okay. I tell you what, Johan, hold that thought and uh, just throw it in with your responses uh, to come for the listeners. There's a question about how much this industry is worth. Even that is up in the air. There's no agreement on that, which makes another good argument for why there needs to be tighter regulation in this industry. But the figure that I had come across was 4.5 billion rand per annum is what this industry is said to be worth, obviously by someone who did some calculation based on some variables that they came across. But as you heard, we don't know. We don't know how many operators there are. For sure. So that means that people, there are people who are slipping through the cracks and doing absolutely as they please. But let's hear from the listeners. 0891-104-208. Mbasa, who's calling us um, from, uh, is it Safta? Safta, good morning. Uh, Good morning. Good morning, ma'am. Welcome. Um, I um, I think think what I would like to to make an input of... um, is that unfortunately, Sakina, the the approach which the, the flow of the um, um, you know the discussion is is following it's a bit unfair in as far as how we paint the funeral industry is concerned. Um, just two things. One, I wish us to remember that um, the challenges that the funeral industry has they are not unique to itself. All other industries, in as far as the departments not being able to talk to each other, but at the same time, we cannot take away some of the, the developments and progress which has been made. For example, I wish the listeners to know that the funeral industry in all its conferences, for example, from SAFPA, we call SARS, the receiver of revenue, to come and register our members and you know, come and workshop the industry on how the regulation works in as far as their businesses is concerned. Number two, we have interactions with home affairs such that the industry is able to, to do its business properly in as far as the registration of bodies and everything else which links to home affairs. Recently, Sakina, there's been a, a huge milestone in the industry, which my colleague uh, Adrian talked to, uh, services CETA has set aside 154 million rand to train the funeral industry, to train in as far as capacity development and assist in training of uh, the directors and the staff members and developing of new content. Let me ask I you this question. How long has yes, that CETA been in existence for? Well, um, the CETA has been existing for, for a while. Um, I would not I would not be specific in terms of the number. Okay, but, speculate um, in terms re- of just how long. How more or less how long has that CETA been in existence for? Would you say um, 10 years? Or more. Okay, yes. 
and only now. So we're getting excited. We we expected to get excited now because the CETA has now decided, you know what, we need to do something. There's a reason why the CETA feels the need to do something because people are complaining more and because the media is exposing a lot more of these atrocities that are going on. Would you say, though, would you say, though, all of these are coming from complaints? I've just shared with you, ma'am, that the funeral industry is actively engaging government. That's what I would like to share across to you, that the funeral industry is proactive. We've had a meeting with the National Consumer Commission where we, we welcome the principle of the code. The funeral industry is active in this. But what you see now in the discussion it's just the individuals quoting numbers which are not consistent. I wish Mr. Rousseau to tell us where does he get the 0.03% representative of the Funeral Federation. How many you members know, do you have which, at SAFTA? Which Sata? I think takes away the principle of really the good thing which is happening in our industry for professionalizing. How many members do you have at SAFTA? Uh, SAFTA has got uh, 638 nationwide. 638. Okay. Yes, ma'am. But thanks for calling because it's interesting. We've we've already concluded that as far as the numbers go, we're not going to agree because it is clear that nobody knows. We've agreed on that. Uh, let's speak for, uh, to Mike. Uh, it's Mike from Collins & Co. Funeral Directors. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Sakini. Um, I just want to firstly agree with your previous caller. That number of 0.03% of funeral directors that's re- represented through the, the funeral federation is a thumb suck. If, if we take Adrian Bester's figure of about 25,000 funeral directors throughout South Africa and we put together the, the number that the funeral federation represents of about 3,500, 3,600, it definitely doesn't come to 0.03%. And, again, your previous caller mentioned CETA. CETA is talking to us not as a result of complaints. CETA is talking to us as a result of the Funeral Federation going to CETA and saying we need training and the money is lying there and nobody's doing anything about it. So, so, so it only got to this point where you've decided that you needed training. So no, all no, no, these no, no, years, no, what, what were no, you doing? No. We've been talking to CETA for years. And what happens is every time that there's a, a, a new board, everything just gets pushed back to the start, and we start the whole process over and over and over again. So, Kino, if I may, Mike, uh, just to correct, it wasn't my figure. It was your Hans figure. It was your Hans figure, but uh, yeah, my figure is around 5,000. What's, what's more important, uh, and I think we must just also be fair to the services CETA here, um, I personally served on the, on the uh, standards generating body, um, and the services CETA went about this in the correct way. So when they decided they needed to do something for the funeral industry, and this is, um, I can't ex- remember the exact year, but about 2001 or 2000, the, the CETA actually advertised. So they placed newspaper advertisement. They said, anybody who's interested, please come to a meeting on a specific time and place, which we then went to. And there were, I can't remember, but probably 60 or 70 people representing all sorts of bodies. And at that meeting, we elected people to write the training standards for the funeral industry. And that committee then sat for probably about a year writing training standards. So this process has been ongoing for a very, very long time.
Um, as I alluded earlier, I think one of the services CETA's main problem was that they never had a training provider. There's, there's nobody outside of the large companies who can actually provide training on a wide basis, who is A, qualified, and B, accredited to provide training. So the services CETA, I think, has done a lot of very good work. They've had, they've had hindrances that is difficult to overcome. So we couldn't find a tertiary higher learning institution somewhere that could take on this task with, you know, the help of a few people in the industry. We couldn't do that? We could. We could actually. We have. Um, we found uh, probably about eight or nine years ago the Technicon at the time, South African Technicon. Um, they provided a course. And uh, unfortunately, the, the people who actually entered onto the course, and I can't remember the exact numbers anymore, was so low that eventually it wasn't worth a while for the Technicon to do it, so the course stopped. The industry is busy. They don't yes. have time to be running around up and down to class. Yeah. You see, it comes, it, comes back to, it comes back to the accreditation of the, of the funeral provider, and if we go and look at the insurance industry that I'm also quite a fight with, they introduced the Phased Act. The Phase Act requires people, intermediaries, who act in, in the insurance industry to qualify. So they must write certain exams and qualify themselves to be able to provide that service. So once you have a body where the industry members can actually register, then you can start to expect them to go through some sort of process where they can train and qualify. And if you can do that, then obviously um, you, you will enforce training and you will, you will re- require training providers. Yeah. Uh, Sakina, yes. I just want to go back to the CETAs. We must just keep in mind, and I don't want to jeopardize this um, scenario with the National Consumer Council. It is not their responsibility at this stage. In establishing the ombudsman to engage other departments, it is purely about 54 million people. But in my personal capacity, this process has been going on with services CETA since 1999. I was one of the drafters of the training documents. The reality that we have is why hasn't this animal been born as yet? We, the industry is reluctant to share their knowledge because to their competitors, it's a part of a transformation process. So I don't think that with all due respect to Mr. Bester and Tom Kite and, and Mr. Mike Collins that phoned in to sh- share their IP um, in why would they do that? Because it's to their competition. Um, that just makes sense sorry, to me. And no, I'm sorry, if I can just come in there. I know that you people have been I- assisting with, with embalming and things like that. Critical. It's purely just wanting to give something back to the industry. Absolutely. But if I can just be allowed to finish. Um, in terms of the numbers, I opened a case personally with the um, uh, um, public protector. Just in East London, there's 268 funeral parlors, which has been investigated, of which 16 is registered with health and 9 with home affairs, of which the remaining then utilizes that very same facilities um, of your members, which then belongs to the associations. And I think that's the critical. And if we look at the application of the National Funeral Directors Association, and I don't want to discredit them. In that their applications, it is stipulated that they would accommodate these people, of which they now have a problem with. So what I'm trying to say is we need to get a transformation initiative going. We need to get applicable 
um, accreditation standards. We need to have that in place. We need to have standard operating procedures, which is not there. And we've already drafted that outside of that ombudsman, which we are prepared to share with the industry. But I think of critical importance is, and that um, Adrian just alluded to that, is the is the services CETA. In December this year, we, or the past year, I stopped a process where they wanted to have a hush-hush situation by pushing through something. Um, we cannot say that we have to wait. The industry has to wait for 20 years for something to happen because of this thing arising. We can't say that the Funeral Federation has done, and the NFDA and FDC, they already spoke um, in 2001, if you look at the Kaluma document, of which um, some of the people is, 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 is not within the um, industry anymore, has already stated certain things. But it just shows that what has emerged from the public and from the likes of SAFPA and everyone is there's no effective database. There's no effective legislation. There is no effective support. There's no transformation. That what is we, coming out very clearly. And, and what I'm saying is, is that government needs to play a leading role to look at the data, the comp- uh, compilation thereof. If an organization like the NFDA and everyone, why don't they publish all their uh, licensed members so that the public could see that on their website? But unfortunately, that is hold close, very close to the chest. We need to open up. We need to be more transparent. Let's take a quick call from Erastus in Vidbank. Erastus, thanks for holding. SK, your guests and the listeners, I'm going to be very quick. This industry, the government must step in and regulate the industry. I'll give you two or three scenarios. One, a person has been paying a book for over seven, eight years, right? They will pay late around the six, seven. Every month they've been accepting the money, right? What happened is this particular individual was in an accident and he died. And it was on the fee, on the fourth. On the fifth, they went there to inform them that the person was in an accident, has died, and they wanted to pay. They said, no, 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 you're paying late because you know that the person was going to die. And I was there. And there was a big mess at the funeral parlor. We decided to take out cash and pay for the funeral, and we lost everything that the person has been paying for. Last year, my brother passed on on the 13th of, 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 of July. We went there with the wife to assist. When we got there, the lady who assisted the wife to take out the book reminded her that this is the coffin that we said we're going to give you for the, for, 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 for the burial according to the agreement. When we went back in the afternoon to finalize the times and the date, the owner was there, the lady, in Whitbank. She turned around and said to me, no, 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 you're not going to get this coffin. This is, they give you the cheapest one, the one that you won't even bury, uh, uh, what you call a human being. You're going to give you this one because when your brother took out this, this, this funeral cover, you were not there. I said, okay, because my brother is dead, he cannot speak for himself. Unfortunately for her, the wife was the one who took out the policy. So therefore the wife said, no, 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 you did not help me. Here's the lady who assisted me when I opened this, this, this cover, and this is what he promised me. There was a huge noise. Then they want you to pay five, ten thousand rand more so that you can change that coffin. So this industry must be regulated because these people from the funeral parlor are taking advantage of the bereaved families. Some of them, I even overheard the conversation when they said, yeah, they still have got old mutual. They've got this and that. They must go and face that money and bring it here. So please regulate. Thank you. Thank you so much. Erastus in Vidbank. We're going to take a spot break. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. Every word in our constitution signifies a victory. 
against inequality. Against inequality. So never underestimate the power of those words. Instead, choose to understand them. Section 11 of the Bill of Rights states that everyone has inherent dignity and the right to have their dignity respected and protected. protected. SAFM, seize your power, know your rights. This is a message from South Africa's news and information leader. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. So we're talking about the funeral industry this morning. Uh, Lulo uh, wants your details. We'll get those. But Lulo also says if the industry is not regulated, where does one report an unpaid rejected claim case, as was the case now, some of the uh, incidents that Erastus actually shared with us? Now, there's regulation, but clearly it's not sufficient. And um, as you say, perhaps this is what then leads to a call for an ombud in this industry, because if you have issues with the banks, there's a banking ombud. If you have issues with insurance companies, there's someone to go to. Why shouldn't there be someone for the funeral industry? And uh, let me read some of the messages. Vusin Dala says, Sakina, there was never a will by this industry to assist the bereaved, but a desire to fleece them. Example, why do they refuse cheaper coffins purchased elsewhere other than those that are purchased from them? Um, another one on the coffins issue says, coffin manufacturers must be allowed to sell direct to the public. Uh, service providers uh, make as much as 300% on coffers, on coffins. It's crazy. Jack in Alberton says, I lost my daughter in 1998, uh, my firstborn, and when we went to view the body in Avbob Bromfontein, I saw bodies lying on the floor. Um, this one says, Morning SK, what is the net value of the funeral industry? It seems like a big money-making business. Well, that depends on who you speak to. Uh, Barry in Durban says, um, why have we not heard uh, of the outcome of Doves in Durban, employees uh, selling body parts there? You see, these are some of the horror stories uh, that people complain about. Denton in Durban says, Sakina, prices must come down. A rule that should be changed is that um, you should be able to use a cardboard coffin, um, especially when there's cremation. And also undertakers rip people off with highly polished coffins and brass handles. Uh, some of the messages coming through, there are more on Twitter. This one from... Um, that black chick says, SK, isolated incidents or not, people suffer great indignity and an ombud is needed as a matter of urgency. Unati Kwaza says, a lack of jobs in the industry has meant that everyone thinks that they can run a funeral service business. And it's the same with driving schools in our town- townships. Everybody thinks they can do it. And then uh, this one uh, from uh, Mr. Sekatane, uh, we need a minimum wage for the employees in this sector. Jazz Fundi says, my experience is that the funerals are expensive. Why should parlors sell coffins uh, for 50,000 rand as if you're selling a two-bedroom house to people? Uh, Thorny, who regulates the funeral industry? Who regulates the pricing for the coffins and the tombstones? So there is need for regulation. Sherwin D. Uh, Peter says, uh, this industry does not allow for harsh proportional punishment for those who fleece the public in their grief. So there is a need, the public seems to think, to regulate more carefully. Uh, let me start with you, Neil, and uh, work my way around the table. 15 seconds, your parting shot for us. Well, you know, with the, listening to some of those comments about, um, you know, how the, the funeral industry actually ripped the public off, I find that very unfair. Um, 
These are people's lived experiences, though. Yeah, fair enough. And I think the general idea is now out there that, um, you know, that funeral homes actually rip off the public, which is which is absolutely I cannot agree with that. Um, You know, most of the African funerals are done over the weekend. So you can understand that if you actually went and called a plumber after hours, you're going to pay extra. Um, so, you know, what I'm trying to get at is that we are not out there to actually rip the public off. Definitely not. But if the norm is to bury on the weekend, why should there be a higher charge on the weekend if that is actually the norm? Uh, but uh, I mean, we can't even get into that now, Adrian. Sakina, thank you. Uh, I think the comment that I'd like to make in the first place is that there are currently organizations available to the public. Um, in the first place, if I may, the Funeral Federation of South Africa uh, or the National uh, um, National F- Funeral Directors Association can be contacted by email. Uh, it's very simple. It's secretary at nfda.co.za. Uh, the caller who had a specific issue with FBOB, you're very welcome to contact us directly. So it's info at fbob.co.za. Um, and as a general rule, when you have an issue, Contact one of the organizations that are accredited, the FFSA, the NFDA, the SAFPA, and we will address your problem. I, th- I think in closure, uh, Sakina, what we've realized just today is the call for more effective regulation to protect 54 million people is essential. The further s- stating is the embracement of everyone taking hands as a collective together with us. Uh, working to we, uh, together with the Consumer Council, we can have this debate over and over and over. We will agree and disagree. We will make our research available to everyone so that the public can see that. Uh, they can visit the Facebook FIRA page, uh, which is a compilation of all the media, um, uh, um, media reports that uh, has been accumulated over many years, um, even though it's old, but also for the public to give their comments um, on why an ombudsman and the regulation needs to be established um, on www.fira.co.za. Thank you very much. And we'll put all of those on our social media platforms as well. So thank you so much to the gentleman for coming through and for you, for your participation in the discussion and the production team. It's just after nine and Simpiwe Ngongwane standing by with the latest news.